It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we delve into all of the episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here, coming back after a bit of a spells. Luke, hi, Luke. Yo, what's up? Yeah, it has been a while since I've been on this one. Doesn't feel uh, like it because I talk to you every week. Right. I mean, it was only like like in Twilight Zone terms, it was only like four episodes ago. But we did what the two and a half months, three months of One Step Beyond. So. Mm. which i i did not drag you in for that but i don't think you're watching that anyway so no no i was like i basically was like oh this is an excuse to take a couple months off yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you know the stats do people are still chiming in for those it was an interesting comparison but again happy to be back to the zone uh today's episode is the little people it's i i kind of want to say it like a leprechaun for some reason because you're a racist yeah I don't know. <laughs> no, like the like the hey, leprechaun hey, movies. The Irish. Have you? Yeah, was the uh, what is the Mike Mike O'Kane line and a gold member? There's only two things I can't stand. Uh, people who are oh um oh god intolerant. People who are intolerant against other people and the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of like that. Have you ever seen the uh, leprechaun horror movies? I've, I, know I think I've seen at least one. My auntie and uncle used to find them very amusing, and <laughs> my uncle to scare my auntie, <laughs> just showed his own armpit and went leprechaun, and then because of that, we called armpits leprechauns or leps in my Ooh, family. Okay, now that that sounds way more intolerant than what I was saying. <laughs> There are also, no leprechauns in this episode of the Twilight Zone, though. No, these are astronauts. So if they had put them in like those costumes, that'd be cool. Do you remember just... back when we recorded our podcast about the um, Rampage movie? Barely. This is basically the film I said I wanted to make. <laughs> I had the idea of a film where like Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel play astronauts who come down to a planet of miniature people and they are the kaiju. So is Claude Atkins the rock then? Yes, so yeah. Okay, that's cool. I would have my scale would have been a bit different because you can't have fun smashing up these buildings. Yeah, I mean we see like just a couple model shots basically, and the rest is up to your imagination. Yeah, I would have made my little people slightly bigger. Mm. Well, I guess in you know at the end they are not to get straight to the end, but hey, I assume people have watched if they're listening. So. Mm-hmm. Um, because our final astronaut is a little bigger in comparison to the big guys in Forbidden Planet costumes. So there's always a bigger fish. Let me get to a bit of the trivia. Original air date was March 30th, 1962. William F. Claxton was in the director's chair. He took on those duties for four Twilight Zone episodes. 
Uh, this script is by Rod Serling. Peter Craig was played by Joe Macross. He was a prolific TV guest actor in the 60s and 70s, and we have already seen him in Third from the Sun. Claude Atkins, who I already name-checked, was William Fletcher. He had also appeared in The Zone before with The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, and he'd later become a household name as Sheriff Lobo on BJ and the Bear, Homer Simpson's favorite show. <laughs> this episode may feature the most reuse of Forbidden Planet props, though we, of course, regularly see them on the Twilight Zone. I think like half the props in this are from that movie. So, <laughs> now, I recognize the um, uniforms. You're right. And then a lot of the stuff in and around the ship apparently was also from Forbidden Planet. So um, a lot of I, I like seeing that. It's fun. It's like an old friend coming to visit, right? Yeah. I will share my screen with you if you could give us a run of that prologue. I think I'm going to do it classic today. It's been a while. The time is the space age. The place is a barren landscape of rock-walled canyon that lies millions of miles from the planet Earth. The cast of characters? You've met them. William Fletcher, commander of the spaceship. His co-pilot, Peter Craig. The other characters who inhabit this place you may never see, but they're there, as these two gentlemen will soon find out. Because they're about to partake in a little exploration into that grey, shaded area in space and time that's known as the Twilight Zone. All right. So I guess my first thought on here is we, we've seen this before, I think, with a few other crews like the um, uh, the one they actually get some footage from in here. The uh, I, I shot an arrow into the air mm. sky. I forget if it's the air, the air of the sky, but crews that seem to be lacking in psychological profiling. <laughs> I don't know why they keep putting just two people on a crew and one of them's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> this one, it just like seems like even more so like it's almost like when they get out of the rocket ship, like they've never actually talked to each other before. Like this seems like mm. their first conversation. Which is kind of weird. Well, I guess he's like you were hitting asteroids on out in space, so you know, I, I guess he knows that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like they are. It seems like people that don't know each other. So, uh, which is just kind of, I guess, it's a weird shorthand to get the conflict started quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, it's 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 a twenty five minute episode, right? So they have to introduce the characters, so it ends up feeling like they're being introduced to each other. But yeah, it is like. With a crew that small, you need to be damn sure you've picked the right two guys. And uh, they have clearly gotten the wrong ones. Um, well, I mean, again, uh, Claude Atkins, uh, Fletcher, he, you know, he's relatively our fine, upstanding, you know, mid-century uh, lead. But yeah. But with zero patience for, like, Craig. Like they've literally just landed on a desired planet and he's ripping into him for being upset about it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like a good time to be upset. No, I, I, you know, for the first three minutes, I was like, oh, am I going to actually like identify with Craig? Because uh, because he's like being chided for going on long walks and exploring the territory. Mm. I'm like, hey, that's exactly what I would have been doing. So, um, although I guess the thing like you're, hoarding water and 
you know, starting to become a god for the little people is is not really my jam. I think. Mm. I guess you don't know till you're there. I certainly yeah. don't see myself wanting to stay on the planet and god up with the little people. Um, right. Yeah. Maybe it was fun for a couple of days, but he's gonna get pretty bored. I think. <laughs> so I would say he had a uh, once. He, once he just well, once he has a statue built in his honor, I, I think he has flipped into full whack job. You know. Mm. Uh, when the episode started, I was really sure I recognized Joe Maros, uh, but then eventually it was just that I realized it's just because he looks a bit like. Um, Oh, I forgot his name. I had it in my head earlier. He played Commissioner Gordon. Gary Oldman? Yeah, he looks a bit like Gary Oldman. Hmm. Huh. That didn't hit me across the head, but you sure? <laughs> he looked too young. Oh, well, I guess Gary Oldman, you go watch him in Sydney. Gary Oldman would have been young, like, but... would have been like, was he even born when this episode came out? Oh, I'm pretty sure he was born, but maybe he was like three years old. No, no, yeah. I'm just saying uh, young Gary Oldman, you would go to the 1982 or whatever movie, Sid and Nancy, where you it's kind of weird to watch Gary Oldman playing a 20-something punk rocker. Yeah, I think the youngest I've seen him is in Leon. Yeah, he's already what? Like, then he's already an adult. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Although, 58 he was born, so. Okay. Sid and Nancy's not a fun watch. It's just... Um, you know, interesting to see Gary Oldman young. It's he's one of those. Well, it's in his name, isn't it? That he's an old man. Yeah, so. Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then yeah, Claude Atkins. I I didn't. I, I wasn't a BJ and the Bear fan, so it wasn't like an instant click. I was like, oh, I definitely know this guy, and I've seen him in the Twilight Zone. So hmm. he was the uh, one sort of sane guy. Was he? He was sort of sane on the monsters are doing Maple Street, as sane as anyone on Maple Street could be. I think. I remember it correctly. <laughs> uh, he was the guy they were blaming at first, right? That might be right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that might be right. So it's been, what, two and a half years in real time since I've watched that one, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, Cherokee American actor. Cool. Okay. Yeah, rock on. Although they made him... Born in Georgia. Yeehaw. I did note that. But yeah, I tend not to get that deep on my trivia as not to make trivia like 87 years long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how about I, I guess the first thing I started thinking of too watching this was a uh, Horton is is hearing a who or Alvin. The actual voices sounded kind of Alvin like. Uh, okay, yeah. My my first thought was this was basically reverse Pikmin. Okay, uh, could you explain that a little more for the guy? Pikmin's about little Pikmin? tiny astronauts coming and walking around a giant Earth. So like they're walking around on dinner tables and gardens, and it's like giant forests for them. Whereas here it's the astronauts come and the planet is full of miniature people. Okay, that kind of makes sense. I was thinking about the um, time dilation thing, maybe because that's another Twilight Zone episode that the, the Simpsons hmm. did, where they have the uh, the Genesis pool or whatever, where the... Oh, yeah, in like Lisa's little Petri dish. Right, right, and within a day they're you know shooting lasers at Bart, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean... I, I did wonder if that was going on here because that statue shows up so quickly. And for people of that stature, that is a, that's like us building like a Dyson sphere around the sun, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a impressive feat for one night. Another thing that kind of hit me uh, thinking about this one is, is this like an early iteration of the, the Star Wars thing? Like, you know, 
good guys are, are not nasty to the droids. We're bad guys. Okay. Usually yeah, good to... guys. Good guys don't act like gods around the little people. Yeah, yeah, that's well, I mean, thing. That 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 is, you know, a common word of wisdom, right? It's you judge a person on how they speak to the staff. Or how they speak to people they don't have to be nice to. And miniature people is the ultimate example of that. You know, you can treat them however you want. Like, if I do you know how I got this scar? It's not coming into focus, but I got a little scar on my wrist here. Um, go for it. Uh, I know we've had this on a podcast before. Maybe not this. I think it's relevant here. A kid at school was stepping on ants, so I beat him up. (laughs) (laughs) Just basically the end of this episode. Well, Fletcher's a little less violent. He just flies away. Yeah. So the statue loses a head. Yeah. Oh yeah, statues. And and they do, you know, when the large astronauts um pick up Craig, they do a pretty bad job of it. I guess it's like when you're trying to move a bug out of the house and you end up smushing it. You're not trying to smush it, but it just occasionally happens. <laughs> yeah, the multiple different reactions to miniature people in this because you've got you've got Fletcher who's like fascinated but, you know, wants to be kind to them. You've got Craig who's fascinated but immediately is a dick to them. And then you've got the two giant astronauts who are just like, oh, look, a miniature man. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you've killed it. Never mind. (laughs) Well, they're large enough that they don't have to care, right? Yeah. Which I guess is the uh, telescoping. Well, how how big is this planet is also a good... um, Gravity would work quite different for all these different scales, wouldn't it? Maybe it's a Mario Galaxy planet for those two who are just... They can run around it in like a minute. Oh, and they can like jump off to the next planet. Yeah, that's yeah. That sounds like fun. I, I can. That's why we there. never saw that shit. Is it a conceit, or is it like a thing about human nature that you know priority one would be getting the rocket off of this desk? So, well, not desolate planet it has a little civilization. Maybe it has more of those. You know. Yeah, they anyway. just happen to land in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, though, it's not a place for them. They so mm. priority one should be getting off of the planet, and uh, whereas, I mean, is that just a full psychotic break? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, what what was you what Europeans didn't belong in all those African countries, but they didn't leave. That is true. Um, <laughs> like although... as the episode went on, I felt like, oh, okay, this is a pretty on the nose metaphor for colonialism. Where they've just shown up, realize that they have power over these people, and let it go immediately to their heads. What's so much more insidious, though? I mean, what, what's the thing here? You uh, force them, force the country to build like something really expensive, like power plants, and then mm. hold it over their head forever. You know, and basically, yeah. oh, oh, it's ours now. You can't pay for it. So, or you know, yeah. anything you have, you give to us because we built the power plant, and uh, you know, forget running your country or having a budget for that. So, um. It's more economic, where this is more like, you know, mustache twirling, maniacal, um, I'm your god now. So somehow that seems less evil, though, doesn't it? He simply wants to be worshipped, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, he just, he's just like a put upon, well, he's a little person, right? He's a little guy who's been put upon his whole life, and here's his chance to be the big man. 
I guess that's it. Um, you know, like the taking bullying like the wrong way, that sort of thing. Which mm -hmm. I don't know. If if I got bullied in school for the most part, I, I didn't notice. Mm. I'm not saying it didn't happen, I just didn't notice and I don't remember it now. Um, maybe just being able to put away those sort of things helps, <laughs> which the, yeah. you know, uh, Craig did not do. Yeah, I was the kind of the same. Like, I remember very briefly being bullied and then just like they're giving up because it didn't really work on me. And Mercy has a similar story that she was like, she was a geeky kid. She was really into Beyblades. And like some of the cool girls came over and tried to be like, you're into Beyblades. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, I'll leave you to it. <laughs> that works. Uh, but yeah, some, obviously, that's partly down to our attitude, but also we have just been lucky. Like, some people have very horrific experiences with bullying. And yeah, some people learn to handle it in a good way, and some people sublimate it to someone else. Yeah, I had the benefit of, from the fourth grade on, being in basically the, the dorky kid school anyway, so... Mm. Um, it was kind of like in high school there were like two concurrent high schools running in there so the regular students probably were um i well I, again i don't really remember much happening because i didn't notice but uh I, I think something probably happened so there, there yeah. was definitely happening at my school but yeah this is again a little bit of psychological profiling i'm wondering this is right when the american space Cro program is really starting to get stuff in the sky or in, into space so I, w I do wonder when we started really realizing gee you can't just send like a wild ass test pilot into space uh mm. with, with, or model people you know um but i guess it was once we started getting started thinking about landing on the moon right because when you're just flying around i guess you can just send you know, yeah, one nut, one nut, fine. one nut job in a mercury capital is fine. You get you get old coop up there. You know that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, once you get to the Gemini, well, that's the thing. We did America did send those two man crews with Gemini, and I it, I think the Soyuz were two men crews in the sixties. I, I don't remember, mm -hmm. but well, even Apollo was only three with two in the lander. Yeah, that's that's two landing on the moon. So I guess yeah, that's not quite as. Uh, so if, uh, if as we think, if Buzz and Neil had found a race of little people on the moon, they found which one would? Yeah, but Transformers really are big, big people, right? Yeah, <laughs> if they'd found little people instead, which one of them would have gone mad with power, and which one would have had to be dragged away? Oh, Buzz for sure. Ah, yeah, that was going to be my answer too. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Armstrong, quiet, keeps to himself. Yeah. Buzz, Buzz Aldrin, literally in Transformers Three. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the um, the the main guy that was uh, talking about the moon landing being fake, what confronted Buzz Aldrin, who promptly punched him in the face. So yeah, I know, absolutely <laughs> king from Buzz Aldrin. Oh, there's a bleep for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I glanced my clock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cl well, it makes it easier later, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you do start to wonder like what kind of hijinks have gone on in space that we simply have never been told about. Um, mm. Oh, geez, I can't remember which guy it was. One of the later Apollo flights, the guy, uh, one of the astronauts was secretly doing like ESP um, experiments on the way to or and or from the moon. So, 
and later started the Noetic Institute or something, kind of a metaphysics institute. And that's that's a guy that actually made it to the moon, right? Um, nice. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you're going to trip, there's no better place. Yeah, it's talk, it's talk about we've like, reached so far. <laughs> when you're when you're in the the space between Earth and the Moon, you know, you have your eyes closed. Well, I think it's even in low Earth or where you just start seeing flashes of light. You know, I guess photons mm. or something that would drive you nuts real fast. I, I guess that's one of the reasons um, long term space travel is still kind of a a, a bugaboo. We don't know mm. how far away they are here. Um, I guess people at he says point, millions of miles, but. He doesn't stick a number to it anymore, right? Yeah, so. that's. I mean, that's that's better than previous episodes where I think he's put it in like the thousands and stuff. Yeah, I was just wondering if like someone like complained before. So there's just don't put a number on it, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, like we don't have a year either. It's just the space age. It's the future. When did people start talking about the space age? Was um, it like as soon as we sent a dude up there? Or? I feel like. Walt Disney and the Nazi had a lot to do with it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess with Werner von Braun. Yeah, but uh, I mean, those those Disneyland TV specials in the mid-50s, at least for Americans, that would have been like mm. a pretty notable uh, bump in thinking about that sort of thing because those were the first TV, the first mass consumption things that tried to realistically think about how would you get to the moon or how would you get to Mars? And the way they, I think one of the methods mentioned about getting to the moon is the one that ended up happening. So, and then you get a goofy cartoon. Those are fun things to watch, actually. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I, but I mean, I love the goofy cartoon. Oh, right, right, right. I don't know if Goofy <laughs> ever went to space, though. Come to think of it, um, I mean, yeah, he's flown in the space between worlds many times on the gummy ship with Mickey and Donald and Sora. Oh, okay, okay. I'm talking the classic cartoons here. Uh, everyone, everyone goes to space in the end, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to Star Wars soon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they that's can what even... every, that's everyone's assumption for Kingdom Hearts Four. Yeah, they can get a Xenomorph in now because <laughs> hell yeah, Disney bought Fox, so <laughs> you can have <laughs> Predators, you can have Xenomorphs, you you could put the X Men in. Well, that's Marvel already, but yeah. Alien versus Predator versus Goofy sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I need to get back to playing Kingdom Hearts uh, again. Notoriously, I've only played the ones that were crap. So on the <laughs> DS. <laughs> um, did you want to throw out any other just general thoughts on this? No. Um. I mean, I mentioned colonialism. I mentioned Pikmin. I mentioned. Dwayne the Rock Johnson as a kaiju. I got everything out of my system that I wanted to bring up on this one. Uh, I got. I just glanced at my notes. I guess I have one more thing. He's he smartly says this is where I you know Craig does a good job of or the the actor does a good job of showing I guess a pretty mass psychotic break because just before he becomes obsessed with becoming a god, he's talking about how he's using math to communicate mm. with the little people. Which is smart. I don't know how he's doing that. Uh, that's not made very clear. How would you use math in that setting to communicate with the little people? Oh, yeah. You start with just showing like one, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, four, just to prove to them that you like are thinking mathematically. And then I think from there you're meant to start showing the elements. 
because you can show that I understand hydrogen is one with one, helium is one with whatever, like that. That's how they've talked about doing it with aliens before. So is he showing them a big whiteboard or something? That he, well, he's showing uh, it in the sand. Yeah, yeah. How do they see that? Though? They're little people. They can't see that. Helicopter. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what the Nazca lines are. <laughs> Dude, that, Giant that's... Peter Craig was communicating with the... <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's getting straight to it that works i guess um well let's let's do some questions on this one who if anyone enters the twilight zone in this episode i mean huh would you say that our two astronauts are of the twilight zone Maybe one of them is it. Does intention make you of the twilight zone? Uh, I don't know. Because Cause you could say that all the little people—they're just living their lives in their little town—and then these two things show up. So are they kind of, being pulled into the twilight zone? That's your rampage thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Then we have um, the the larger astronauts being even more of the twilight zone because they're bigger, and uh, you know, a good death always throws you into a twilight zone, which is is Craig's ultimate fate mm. uh, so there's that i should mention as of recording my most recently watched episode and listened to podcast was the little girl lost and um that's the one with the most literal twilight zone exactly where, like, they like, go into they go into a dimension that he the calls the, <laughs> whereas here we're back to him just using twilight zone like it's a phrase people use it is a phrase people use, especially now. It is now. now, but like, I love the, I've got to respect the guy for just using it until it became a thing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, because if it hadn't been popular, we'd have been like, stop trying to make Twilight Zone happen. It's not going to happen. But it did happen. You you heard uh, that World War II um, pilots would refer to Dusk or Dawn as Twilight Zones. Mm. And so the, the, um, the idea has come up because Rod Serling did not know that, but he would have been in the back of the plane. So it's almost like maybe he subconsciously heard them saying it and it just mm -hmm. came up, you know, 15 years later. Right. It's an evocative phrase. Yeah. And I think pilots now has had to stop using it because now it sounds like you're flying into the Bermuda Triangle or something. So, yeah, yeah. You don't want to tell your passengers we're flying into the Twilight Zone. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what they do in that movie Millennium. I don't I don't remember. Been thirty years since I saw that. I have no idea. I was also going to throw out the idea that maybe you know the whole like any well, it's just a weird, it's a weird situation. But I guess it, I, I like I said, I have problems with gravity of, with everyone's relative sizes because uh, mm. gravity would be a lot tougher if you're smaller. Yeah, and those big guys might just float off the planet. But other other than that. It is just a weird situation, a weird physical situation, not suggesting any actual twilight zone. Just, yeah, these, these mm. things are bigger than these things, so they're bigger than these things. Yep. It has twilight zone I irony. Mean. Yeah, it has twilight zone irony, but it is just, like, relative size, so. Well, also, after the last episode I watched was Little Girl Lost, which didn't really have a twist. Whereas this room. one had... Yeah, but it's like it was weird throughout the whole episode, right? Mm. Whereas this had like such an obvious twist you can see a mile off. <laughs> it was like it was like going back to a well, there's gotta be a twist. 
Yeah. And it I, almost almost would have been a better ending to just leave him alone on his planet laughing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, again, you're like, well, what's going to happen to that guy? That, that does... mm-hmm. I guess he has water, but how does he get, like, the um, Fletcher says they have very little food. Um, also, I have had MREs before, which is the meals ready to eat. That's what I assume they have. And, yeah, those things do suck. So mm. the, the complaints there were not unwarranted. <laughs> which did make Fletcher a little overly bitchy at the beginning, as you mentioned. Yeah. What What is the karma of desecrating your own statue that people made at great expense? I guess that's being crushed um, by larger astronauts, but... Yeah, it's kind of a... It's ungrateful. On this Thanksgiving of all days, we don't want to be seeing an ungrateful... <laughs> Oh yeah, we're that's, on Thanksgiving. that's why we're doing this episode, isn't it? Everyone else, is yep. doing yeah, yeah, all your American guests are busy. That's right. <laughs> Although um, I did look at the calendar, and, and Thursday it turns out is Japanese Labor Thanksgiving. Yeah, and we still worked on it. Yeah, we did work on it, but I just noticed that. Um, oh, it, it, we kind of do have Thanksgiving here, and I never noticed. So it's just, it's just Labor Day. They just call it thank, Labor Thanksgiving for some reason. Yeah, and I guess it just happened to be on the exact day as American Thanksgiving this year, so it, it stood out. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, we went went for lunch yesterday, as we usually do, but literally everywhere was rammed. So we just ended up buying stuff and eating it on the bench. Yeah, I, I saw the line messages. So I followed the, the, whole, oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole story. Well, I guess we'll focus on Craig then. Does... Uh, Craig deserved to be squished like a bug in the toilet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's the imperialist, huh? He's he's the first yeah. up against the wall. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like Britain at the end of the 20th century deserved War of the Worlds. I, I guess this episode does a good job of kind of illustrating that the people who get that mentality are not necessarily very well-adjusted, happy people. You know, happy mm-hmm. people don't do that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Happy people get to get fix a rocket ship and fly away. But yeah, if your only language is power, then eventually someone more powerful comes along. That's yeah. inevitable. Would you put Fletcher in the Twilight Zone? I, I again, he just observes the physical stuff, really, and he never sees the big guys. Or maybe he sees them as he's flying away because they're so big. But maybe he knows them and like called them up for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that that's a better ending than they just happen to show up at that exact moment. I He's guess. like, "Hey, some guy's getting big for his pants. Can you call the the Gigantians and tell them to land on this planet? It'll be funny." Send Galactus <laughs> over, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess like you said, size. like there's a sort of an irony and a weirdness, but it's not that much of like nothing that surreal or supernatural happens. It's just large people and small people. Yeah, just weird situations. I don't know. I wouldn't say he did go to a Twilight Zone. Not that I've we're... had this thought many times. So, you know, spiders come in like, there's teeny ones you can barely see. And then there's like house spiders and there's like, sorry, tarantulas like and stuff. Yeah. Imagine if humans did just come in that variety of sizes. Yeah, that'd be confusing. <laughs> That's the universe <laughs> that this this episode presupposes. Okay, so if we throw the the spider conceit onto here, it kind of works. Yeah, um, like is... maybe they all just live on the same planet when they get home, 
and there's just <laughs> tiny people and human-sized people and giant people. This is getting near the end of season three, and it has been coming up a little more. We have to start citing when the Twilight Zone is repeating itself. So I do want to throw this in with, uh, well, the Invaders, which you were on, which mm. also had tiny astronauts. And I'm um, pretty sure I brought Pikmin up then as well. I shot an arrow into the air, sky, whatever. It did a fall, air. Anyway, <laughs> I sh shot an arrow somewhere. And yeah. uh, <laughs> no. So I'm trying to work out the rhyme. I forgot. Anyway, yes, that, that's a similar-ish episode, I guess. Well, they had a larger crew, though. They had like four people, which made a little more sense yeah. on a space trip. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty basic setup for a Twilight Zone is astronauts land somewhere weird. Yeah. You know, Star Trek took that and made it the whole series, right? True. People are like all over. Uh, that, of course, yeah. that sort of, uh, you know, just lots of forbidden planet stuff in a, 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 a duo, flying duo situation, crashed rocket ship. Um, but if I you guess... want to suggest that maybe the planet they land on was our planet and we're actually the little people, then you could even say this had a bit of a third from the sun vibe where sort of the aliens, uh, the ones we think are the normal humans turn out to be the weird aliens. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe know. the giants at the end were the ones from Earth. We don't know. We don't know which of the three scales was us. I feel like it's not the smallest scale because we we don't live in a canyon that epic. Mm. I mean, yeah, there's, there's not like a city at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, there's a little town there, but um, but you, I mean, these canyon walls would be like endless. Mm. They'd just be unreal if if we if we lived on that scale. So. But we could be the bigger ones or the medium-sized ones for sure. Yeah. Uh, but what I was kind of getting at is, did this one seem kind of fresh or stale to you, having been following a lot I of the show? I think the episode was fresh. But once the twist came, it did feel like formulaic. Twilight Zone has to have a twist. Yeah, I think this one goes a long way on the acting, I think. Like, mm that it really relies on those two one you only have but also, two people in the show like well except there were, at the end, but there were cute little miniatures and stuff so you know oh it you wasn't just stuff it wasn't just actors running around a desert screaming at each other <laughs> but yeah maybe that is where i started thinking of uh horton here's a who a bit um especially mm. the the somewhat questionable animated movie which we saw several times so my daughter was just the age where she wanted to see that not bad, not great. That's where I'm mm. putting that one. Let's tripometer this one on a scale of zero to five. Where do you want to put it? Yeah. I that that's where I'm kind of feeling like it's a three. Like if this mm. were a season one episode and I was doing it when I was doing the season one, I think I probably would have been like it's a four. But at this point in the show, I'm like season three, it's a three. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting a little hard. Like at this point. To go under a three, it needs to basically be like, I don't know, like a Western or something. As I said, Westerns tend to pull down the rating a bit for me. And uh, it really needs to blow my mind to go higher at this point. Which you mentioned Little Girl Lost. Yeah, the, the trippy room at least blew my mind enough to to crank up that rating. But here, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gentleman's three, you know, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's fair. It's just... You come for Twilight Zone, you get your Twilight Zone, get out. <laughs> <laughs> get out of the Twilight Zone now, you're finished. Um, yeah, you've had your fill of Twilight Zone. 
This is the first Serling after a couple weeks as well. Um, okay. Well, so, for, for literal months, for podcast listeners. Right, but even, uh, I, I know at least the two that we've done since going, getting back to the zone were not Serling, so. Mm. And that's interesting because the last couple, or at least the last one I watched, was a very interesting one. Whereas this is back to Serling and back to very bog standard Twilight Zone. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're seeing a touch of burnout is kind of yeah, my point, which, which, which you know, he was burnt three out. Three seasons in, of course. This is about the point where he goes back to the East Coast for most of the time and starts, like, you know, doing lectures and stuff and just bopping over to check how things are going. Whereas season one, he was pretty hands-on, or on set at least. So this is definitely a point where he bops in and they do, like, ten introductions in two days, and then he goes back to New York. Yeah. Although, not... um, the the sneeze is coming. No, it's not. Wow. Oh, it's not. Oh. There we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, going back to Little Girl Lost, that one had a very clearly he was actually on set starting introduction. Because the cat, like, he, like, walks through the bedroom while the other guy's even in the shot. Whereas, yeah, this is back to the more he could have done these as a batch. Yeah, just stick them on the Planet Hell set. I know it's a Star Trek thing, but... <laughs> um, yeah, th this one is very set-bound. Uh, just as a little trivia fun fact, it wasn't... I didn't feel like it was enough to put into my actual trivia, but um, that last shot did borrow, like, the Death Valley um, still from, like, way back in Season 1 when they did, like, two or three or more episodes of Death Valley. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, we're not going out there again. They, learned, they probably learned their lesson. Uh, yeah, <laughs> filming Death Valley in September. <laughs> That's bad. I also news. loved how the rocket took off, and it was clearly a very different rocket from the set, and was definitely stock footage of like a missile or something. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it looked like a again, it looked like a Mercury launch or something. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, if you've got rocket footage, use it. You know, no point messing around. Granted, the footage only shows it's the top of the rocket, and on set we only see the bottom of the rocket, so it could just be the top mm. and the bottom don't match very well. True. I'll give them that. <laughs> but it was a bad design, especially <laughs> since, you know, it, it crashed. That that also... Or at least had to make a pit stop. Yeah. Um, We'll wrap up this one today. Uh, I guess I'll just plug, it, plug us all. So, uh, yeah, if you want to support Time Enough Podcast, you can find us on Facebook and stuff. Uh, on Patreon, Podcastio Podcastius, where you can support Time Enough Podcast, get them early. Luke and I also talk about really good and really bad movies on films and filth. We talk about Space 1999 on Podcast 1999. That's too many numbers, too many nines. <laughs> and uh, some video game stuff. Where Luke loves Pokemon and talks about Pokemon. Hyrule Field Report about Zelda and the game game show where gamers game each other about the games. I think I got that all out. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much the lot. You want you want to you want to plug up any uh recent game game shows? You have several you're excited about, I believe. Um, yeah. As this episode comes out, we've just done a big episode with um Gary and Cole from Duck Teev, Duck Teev, Duck Feed, a much bigger podcast network than ours, um, which. Went really well. Very funny. So check that one out. And then if you enjoy it, stick around and listen to some others.
All right. In the meantime, I think I'm just going to become the god of my room, the master of my domain. That means something different, doesn't it? No, I'm going to go master of my domain, if you know what I mean. <laughs>